Stories, fables, ghostly tales. There's a noise. Do you hear it, listeners? Scratching. There it is. Hmm. I'll check it later. And what's this? A news bulletin. It reads, Love can be so cold. Huh. Welcome, listeners. And I have for you two more stories by Christopher Maxim for your creepylicious ears. Our first story is titled, The Monster in the Pantry. And our second story is titled, Warm Sweater. And just like a warm sweater, get comfortable, turn off the lights, pump up the sound, and get ready for something different. I have found many times in my life that strange occurrences are a staple in human culture. Ghostly apparitions, UFOs, Bigfoot, and others are all prominent in our lives, one way or another. You may not think of them all that often, but eventually there is a story in the news, or a tidbit of information from a friend or a passerby that makes you recall such oddities. At some point or another, no matter how many times you forget about the subject, you will think of it again. I had forgotten all about the monster living in my mom's pantry for several years. I had forgotten all about it, that is, until now. I was only ten years old when I had first been told about the monster. It was a normal evening at my house. My mum and I awaited my father's arrival, and I helped her cook dinner. I look back on these memories fondly, as I enjoyed my mother's company and was delighted whenever my father came home each night. I had a picture-perfect childhood, save one peculiarity. Whatever resided in the pantry would reveal itself, if only audibly, that very night. I was cutting vegetables up for my mum's famous beef and barley soup when I heard a scratching at the pantry door. I jumped and nearly cut off one of my fingers in the process. My mum looked over at the pantry and then looked at me with a concerned smile. I looked to her for an answer, seeing as I had no private theories on the matter. We had just come from the pantry and shut the door. There was nothing in there at the time, and nothing could have made its way in after. Rats, maybe? No, no. The noise was far too loud to be such a small animal. My thoughts were put to rest when my mum spoke. There it goes again, scratching at the pantry door. What is it, mum? I asked, still confused. I can't be certain, sweetie, but it's been here ever since we moved in. Sometimes it scratches at the door, other times it knocks food off the shelves. Some nights it doesn't make a sound at all. I was bewildered and scared at the same time. My mother noticed this. It's nothing to be scared of, honey. Is it a monster? Though my mother's words were comforting, I could not be certain that they were true. No, of course not. Just then, the scratching started up again. I jumped for a second time. My mother then walked over to the pantry. I was scared for her life. Here, look. She opened the door as the scratching continued. Just as the door became ajar, 
the noise ceased. See, sweetie, it's just as scared of you as you are of it. There is nothing to be frightened of. No matter what she said, my ten-year-old heart couldn't help but race. I was afraid and couldn't help it. For years, I continued to help my mother cook, but I never once set foot back in that pantry. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I was convinced that the thing living in there was a monster. The fear was kept alive by the occasional sounds of whatever was in there. I would try to ignore it, but sometimes I would have to leave the kitchen. Eventually, the noise stopped altogether. It has now been many years since then, and both of my parents have passed away. My mother died of a heart attack, and my father died just weeks later of lung cancer. He always did have a bad habit of smoking, even in the house. It was expected, as I had been in and out of hospitals for many months, visiting the two of them. In their wills, I was left the house, as I was their only child. It took me quite a while to come to terms with their deaths, especially living in the house that we had spent so much time together in. Although difficult, I did eventually accept the situation, and it became a whole lot easier to cope. The house itself no longer reminded me of their deaths, but instead reminded me of little memories here and there that would put a small smile on my face. Sometimes, I would walk into the living room and see my dad sitting on his chair, smoking a cigarette and watching TV. I would sometimes still see my mum cooking in the kitchen and getting ready for dinner. These were the little things that kept me going each day. I actually enjoyed living in that house again. Until one day. I had just gotten home from work when it happened. I sat down on my dad's chair and flipped on the TV to unwind. A thought then crossed my mind. Aside from the tobacco, I had actually become my father. Thinking of that actually made me smile. This is when I heard an all too familiar scratching noise coming from the pantry door in the kitchen. My smile quickly vanished. I jumped up and walked out to the kitchen to investigate. The scratching continued and became louder. I looked at the pantry door, hoping an answer would jump out at me, but also hoping that whatever was in there wouldn't do the same. Of course, neither of these things happened, forcing me to actually open the door. I hesitantly did so as the scratching went on. Much to my anticipation, the noises ceased, and I found nothing behind the door but empty shelves and an old broom. This is exactly what happened when my mum opened the doors years ago. She, however, had the shelves fully stocked. I think I subliminally stayed away from the pantry, having been so scared of it as a child. My food remained in the cabinets and fridge, with absolutely nothing in the pantry itself. I was no longer a frightened child, but the return of the scratching noises was still unsettling. Not to mention bothersome. I didn't hear it for years before this, but now it happened every day, like clockwork. As soon as I got home from work, there was scratching. Sometimes I would even wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of it. It would not stop until I opened the pantry door. Then of course the noise would cease and I would find nothing behind the door. This routine continued for almost a year, but one night, something changed. I was lying in bed, trying to sleep, when the scratching sound started up once more. I groaned in anger. Ugh. 
not wishing to leave the comfort of my bed for anything, much less that damned noise. Because of this, I did not get up right away to open the pantry door. I just lay there, as tired as ever. After a few minutes, something odd happened. The sound of scratching had stopped. Now, don't get me wrong, this was great. I didn't want to leave my bed anyhow, but the noise had never done this before. I was curious as to why. I got up out of bed and ventured down to the kitchen, on the hunt for answers. What I saw alarmed me. The pantry door. It was wide open. This could not be. I had shut it earlier that night, when I got home from work. The first time I heard the noise that day, I quickly turned the pantry light on to reveal absolutely nothing. For the first time since I was a child, I was frightened of the monster living in the pantry. Whatever it actually was, I think it had escaped. I scoured the house in fear for almost an hour, looking for whatever it was that had gotten loose. I was scared, actually scared. After going through every last room in the house, I took a deep breath and collected my thoughts. What was I doing? This was ridiculous. I was on the hunt for something imaginary. Sure, there was scratching on the door every night, but maybe it was a large rat or a raccoon. Maybe I actually did leave the door open the last time I heard the noise. Who knows? I managed to calm myself down as I made my way back to the kitchen to close the pantry door. That's when I noticed something that I had not seen previously. There were deep scratch marks on the inside of the door. Those were never there before. Even as a child, my mum had checked for any markings in the wood, and there were none. What was happening here? I backed up into the living room, in awe, keeping my eyes on the pantry door and its mysterious scratch marks. I rubbed my eyes a few times to make sure I wasn't seeing things. I even pinched myself to make sure I wasn't dreaming. Surely enough, it was all too real and I had no explanation for it. After a few more seconds of private confusion, I watched as a figure ran into the pantry at high speed, and the door shut behind him. I was flabbergasted. I couldn't make out what the figure was, but I ran over to the pantry and opened the door to find out. With my heart racing, I opened the door and turned the light on. Once again, I found nothing. I quickly shut off the light shut the door, and piled a bunch of stuff in front of it, including my dad's chair. I ran up to my bed and hid under my covers, as if I were a kid again, scared shitless of the monster living in my mum's pantry. My late-night adventure had come to an end. After the adrenaline and fear tapered off, I was able to get some sleep. I woke up and pretended that nothing had happened the night previous. I just did what I usually did, Put my clothes on, brushed my teeth, ate some breakfast, and headed off to work. I tried to keep the pantry and its resident as far from my thoughts as possible. Throughout the day, I found it hard to focus. I could barely function properly, let alone get any work done. My boss noticed this and asked me if I wanted to leave early and get some rest. I almost shouted the word NO at him, begging him to let me stay. I wanted to be nowhere near my house. Luckily. He obliged. Even though I was able to stay at work, I had to clock out eventually. Despite my tiredness, the day went by too quickly, 
and I found myself home once again. I dreaded it. Even the memories of my parents could not help me now. I wanted nothing to do with this cursed house anymore. Despite my inner outburst, I still opened the front door and walked in. I was greeted with the sound of scratching, but this time, it was louder than it had ever been before. The scratching quickly turned into a thunderous banging at the pantry door. The things I had piled in front of it were actually moving a bit. Whatever it was that was in there really wanted to get out this time. I was scared, as I had been the night before, but I was also sick of the ordeal. I was being pushed beyond my means, and I needed it all to stop. I walked over to the pantry and removed the items I had piled in front of it. The banging continued. I took a moment to mentally prepare myself. After a few seconds, I swung the door open. There, sitting behind the door, was a dog. It just sat there and looked up at me in confusion. I looked at it in the same manner. How could this be? After giving me a once-over, the dog walked over to me and nuzzled up against my leg. Naturally, I reached down and pet it, just like I would a normal dog. But this dog was not normal. After a few minutes of getting to know each other, the dog walked back into the pantry and vanished before my very eyes. It... it was a ghost. My fear was no longer existent. I would come home to the sound of scratching at the pantry door and I would smile. I now opened the door not to see nothing behind it, but instead to let my new friend out. He would walk around the house and explore like a normal dog, and he would even sit down and watch television with me from time to time. Whenever someone came over, however, he would vanish. He seemed to be the shy type. The house was pretty old and had quite a few owners before my parents, so I assumed this little guy was the ghost of a dog that previously lived here. I guess he just couldn't let go of the place. Neither could I, especially now. After a few weeks of playing and bonding with the dog, I realized that I had nothing to call him. I walked over to him and began petting him on the neck. This was his favorite spot. I thought about it for a moment and then came up with the perfect name. I will call you Monster. Warm Sweater I just couldn't believe it. It was her. The woman of my dreams was standing just ten feet away at the copy machine, staring at me. Me, of all people. Her head was red and her eyes were blue. She was the true mock-up of an angel if there ever were one. She had never noticed me before, yet here I was minding my own business. And now she was staring at me. Some may have called her stare a disturbed and angry one, but I could tell she felt the same way about me as I did for her. Sure, I may have been staring at her first, and that may be what caught her attention, but I could see the yearning in her eyes. She wanted me. For months, I had watched her from the safety of my small but quaint cubicle. I knew every detail about her life, every single one. I knew when she had lunch, who her friends were, who she talked to, who she liked and disliked, and where she would be at any given moment of the workday. I even knew where she and her husband lived, as she and I both took the same bus to work. 
I didn't own a vehicle and her husband took their car to his place of employment every morning, even on the long bus ride to work. She never so much as batted an eye in my direction, but today was different. This was my chance. I smiled at her and she made a somewhat perturbed facial expression towards me. She then looked away in a seemingly disgusted motion. Love is a strange mistress. My mind was now racing with an unending plethora of emotions, coupled with large quantities of dopamine. My synapses were firing off at an alarming rate as I stood up and started walking to the coffee machine. I felt such a strong need to reach out and touch her. Just before I took my final step in her direction, my boss came over and pulled her aside to discuss some work-related issues. My march was impeded, but the ever-growing desire in me remained constant. I needed to see her. Although we went to work at the same time, she always left an hour before I did, just in time to catch the last bus. I would usually have a co-worker bring me home, sometimes in the summer. I would even travel by bicycle. Right now, however, it was the middle of winter, and there was a storm coming tonight. A very big one. I would have to find a ride to my house. By the time I finally punched out, my emotions were haywire with a reckless sense of longing. I truly had to see her again. She was waiting for me. I could just feel it in each and every one of my eager bones. I had to see her now. I didn't even bother to ask anyone for a ride home. I just walked out of the building and started heading towards her house. I knew the route by heart. I didn't have a jacket or a hat, but I was warm. It must have been love. What else could it have been? Surely it wasn't my button-up, short-sleeved shirt or my tie. I know it wasn't my khaki pants. It must have been love. I had a warm sweater of love to keep me safe from the bitter cold air of winter. I was not only warm, but elated at the same time. I was going to march all the way to her house so we could finally be together. My plan was perfect, much as she was. I guess that it would take me three hours to get to her house, as she lived roughly ten and a half miles from work. With this in mind, I made long and firm strides in the hopes of minimizing the amount of time it would take me to reach her. While walking down Main Street in this fashion, I noticed a lot of the shops closing up for the night due to the approaching blizzard. One of these shops was a local florist. An idea sprang into my aroused mind. I couldn't show up at her house empty-handed. That just wouldn't be right. I needed a gift. One that would profess my love for her in material form. I needed a rose. I pushed the door open just as the florist was about to lock up. I startled the hell out of her. I grabbed the nearest rose I could find, threw some money down on the counter and left in a haste. I had a mission, after all. I started power walking towards her house once again, hoping I would beat the storm there. Before making it too far, I felt a sharp pain in my hand. I looked down and saw droplets of blood spattered across the ground. It was the rose. I must have grabbed an uncut one, thorns and all. My palm was now bleeding profusely, but I kept walking. It was merely a wound received while attending to affairs of the heart. I was focused on the bigger picture. I trudged through harsh winds, my pace never wavering. I could tell the storm was coming. I was now maybe a quarter of the way there. It was then that I felt snow. 
It began falling at a swift and steady rate, making it almost impossible to see in front of me. Still, I pressed on. My love for this woman was insatiable and desirous. I needed her. I absolutely needed her. I walked and walked, feeling the sting of the snow on my bare face. After an hour or so, I noticed a mark on my arm. It was beginning to turn black. This was the onset of frostbite, I guessed. This in no way slowed me down. I still had my sweater of love keeping me warm every step of the way. I neither felt the chill in my arm nor did I care about the risk to my health. I had made up my mind, and it could not be altered, not by a human or by the frozen forces of Mother Nature herself. My arm became blacker and blacker as I walked. My other arm started becoming discolored too. I could only assume my face was as well. This did not bother me in the slightest. I only cared about the task at hand. As the gusts of wind turned harsher, I clenched the rose harder with my now grey hand. I was determined, more so than I had ever been. After another long and treacherous hour, I finally arrived at her street. This was it. My love would finally be reciprocated. I could hardly contain my excitement as I made my way over to her house. Luckily, her husband wasn't home yet. The lawn was covered in snow, but I could still see the stone walkway leading the way to the front door. I took a step onto it, but quickly fell to the ground, slipping on a sheet of ice. I landed on my arm. I didn't feel anything, but I'm sure that I broke it. As I couldn't move it one bit, I stood up and kept walking, calling out to her as I did. I hoped that she would hear my shrieks and come running out to see me. Just then, the front door to her house opened and she walked out, proving my cries to be effective. She said nothing. She simply looked at me with the most frightened look I had ever seen. She raised her hand over her mouth in shock of what she was witnessing. I reached up and presented her the rose. My voice was tired from yelling her name, but I managed to offer her a couple of words. For you. She stared at me for a second, just as she did earlier at work. Those eyes of disgust, that look of confusion. It was now turning into sheer terror. Love is truly a strange mistress. Before I could speak again, she began to scream. She screamed so loudly, in fact, that I felt a sharp pain in my ears. This was the first time I had felt any pain at all during the long and arduous day. The second pain I would feel would be in my heart. I could tell that she was terrified of me. I may have looked odd and disfigured, but my love for her remained intact. Why couldn't she see this? Why was she doing this to me? How could she? Rage began to overcome my emotions. I couldn't handle the unrequited mess that had just been thrown directly in front of me. I could now feel the bitter coldness of the storm. I was now aware of my frostbitten skin as well. The immense amount of emotional and physical pain I felt at this moment caused me to lash out at my one true love. Using my good arm, I took the rose, thorns and all, and started beating her with it. I slashed open every inch of beautiful skin that I could see. As the blood dripped from her defenseless body, 
She screamed once again. I kept slashing at her skin, over and over again, but she wouldn't stop. The sound of her voice pierced through the cold night, as well as my ears. With one last swipe, I sliced open her throat with the rose. She finally stopped. Her lifeless body fell to the snowy ground. I lay down with her, trying to provide her with some warmth. She looked so faultless, so attractive. Her beauty was staggering, even after death. I smiled, happy that she was no longer screaming, happy that I had provided her with inner peace. She could now rest. We both could. I placed the bloody rose in between us and let our bodies envelop it. I looked at her eyes once more before closing mine. Maybe now we could finally be together. Goodness, there is something goosebumpsy about these stories that I love. The ghost dog was certainly unexpected and refreshing. I was half expecting some demon that was about to pull him in and tear him apart. Perhaps too many no-sleeps for me. And the unrequited love of a psychopath. Just delightful. I hope you enjoyed these stories, you brilliant people. And I just wanted to say a very, very special thank you to you, my listeners. I've noticed the iTunes reviews going up, and really, it's brilliant. You are helping the podcast and the authors on here, and we're ever grateful. Now before I go, I had a colleague ask me how I stay so positive at work whilst shit is hitting the fan, and I shared with them this little tip. First I asked them, has anyone died because of this? No? Great. Then I lead with, staying positive doesn't mean that things will turn out okay. Rather, it's knowing that you have control over how good things turn out. It helps me a lot in overcoming insurmountable obstacles. And I thought I'd share it. Maybe it'll put some pep into your step as well. Have a fantastic weekend, my creepy-licious listeners. And I'll see you next time.